Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Dose of Leadership, your free resource and helping you in your leadership journey because all of us are going to be called to leadership at some time in our lives. And hopefully you're finding dose of leadership with our conversations and my musings on leadership will help you in that journey. Thank you for tuning in. Today's conversation is with Matt Conlon. He's the co-founder and president of Fluent Incorporated. Fluent is the industry leader in digital customer acquisition. They have proprietary ad-serving technology and extensive digital media network which enables marketers to acquire their best customers with precision and at a massive scale. Matt is a young entrepreneur. He co-founded Fluent with Ryan Schulke, and uh, they had a vision for changing the digital world through new technology and advertising solutions. Matt's been responsible for the company's sales, the marketing, and partner development strategies. He's played a central role in leading Fluent to become the highest volume customer acquisition technology platform and ad network in the nation. He's an amazing young entrepreneur, an amazing young leader. He gets it. And what I appreciate appreciate about Matt is his intensity for business and for life, coupled with that humble, teachable spirit, a remarkable com- combination. We've talked about it many times here on the show, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Matt on the show. He truly gets it, and uh, it's, ex- it's exciting to see what's going to happen with Fluent and his uh, company. There's some great things coming around the pike, and uh, it was an honor to have him on the show. Today's show is brought to you by my course, Legacy Leader Blueprint. It is the course, 20 high-impact videos, that really will allow you to become a true leader of influence, because that's what leadership is. It's influence, nothing more, nothing less. And this course was created just for you, created for your team at at your organization. I've been signing up uh, teams of five to ten uh, high performers, and we take them through this uh, video course with four interactive sessions with me and allows you to begin defeating mediocrity and stagnation both individually and in your organization and start creating that high-impact culture of initiative and building empowered teams with high degrees of implicit trust. Trust me, it's uh, a very powerful course. You can hear directly as a quote, from Sean Van Dyke, who's been on the show and was also a student in my mastermind. And this is what Sean had to say about the course. He says, and I quote, the depth and breadth of this training is amazing. I considered Richard a mentor via his podcast, Dose of Leadership, and I was thrilled to learn of his Legacy Leader Blueprint course, and I signed up immediately. What an incredible return on my investment. The depth and breadth of Richard's coaching program is unlike anything I've ever experienced. And if you want to become a better leader, then I suggest you sign up for this course. If you want to be given a plan for exactly what you need to lead your team, then sign up for Legacy Leader Blueprint. Thank you for that testimonial, Sean. And you can find out more about my course at doseofleadership.com and, of course, richardryerson.com. Just click on the links, Legacy Leader Blueprint. You can sign up for the email mailing list, and you also get access to a free 20-minute video that gives you the top secrets of leadership and details what's involved in this course. All right. Thank you for being a fan of the show. Leave a rating and review if you have the time at iTunes and Stitcher. And without further ado, here's an outstanding leadership conversation with Matt Conlon, the co-founder and president at Fluent Incorporated. 
Well, Matt, it's an honor to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. Well, I've always been, I'm always impressed with uh, young entrepreneurs when we have them on the show. And a lot of times when we, we think about entrepreneurship, um, I know every entrepreneur I've talked to is that at some point when they started out, they weren't thinking about leadership, but at, at some point along the, the journey, leadership became paramount to them. Have you experienced that yet in your journey? I absolutely have. I, I think when you're in the early phases of, of getting an idea, um, bringing an idea to fruition or, or getting a, a business model launched and a business off the ground, the only focus is, you know, how do we get this thing to, to profitability or proof of concept? And leadership really takes a back burner. Um, and I, you know, something I've found is that there's this interesting shift in your mentality once you go from that early startup phase to a you know, somewhat established business, from then getting from established business to then a larger company, you actually have to put leadership um, and, and your team at the forefront. And it's something that I'm still learning and struggling with uh, daily. <laughs> Is that, you know, how do you make that, that shift from startup mentality where every move you make is, is of critical importance and try to figure out how you're going to eat the next day too. Okay, we, we're established now. How do you create legacy? How do you create a, a business with staying power? And in order to get there, people come first. And if, if the people are first, then what you know the prerequisite is having great leadership at the helm that's going to keep the people motivated, engaged, and, and um you know, driving the business forward. And so what does that mean to you? I agree with you 100%. I mean, what does that mean? If leadership on the back burner now, it's on front and center. How does that look? How does that manifest itself in your mind? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, for, for me, I suppose it, it requires um, being a constant student of the game yeah. and recognizing that what what got you to uh, today isn't necessarily what's going to take you uh, into tomorrow, and and so you know when you make that transition, you're thinking about leadership at the forefront. Um, I think there's got to be this certain humbleness to you that says, I don't have all the answers, I don't have it all figured out. I have a good vision for this company, but in order to get to that next level, I need perspective. I need insight from folks that have been there and done it before, and so. I, I think to be a good leader and to make sure that, you know, your thoughts and, and ideas translate well to the team, you got to embrace coaches, advisors, um, and, and other people that have been there, done that, to um, take full advantage of the leadership position that you're in. That's a great answer. I, I, and you're so right. That humble, teachable spirit is, is tantamount to um, a foundation of great leadership. I think a lot of times we feel this pressure, and particularly entrepreneurs, someone like you said, you, you've brought an idea from uh, conception to actuality, and people have maybe perceived or, or, or rightly have looked at you as the person with all the answers. And I think when we get in that leadership game, we feel like, okay, I, I have to have all the answers. Then we start going through this imposter syndrome. It's like, well, if they only knew how scared I was and this and that. And what you said there, having that humble, teachable spirit and getting that perspective from others, that's a, that is so foundational to leadership. So I love that answer. 
Yeah, you know, I, I have a question there too that I, I always wonder is, you know, how exposed do you want to be to your team, right? Because right. You, you're you're always up there saying, I, you know, trying to put on that front. You do have all the answers, and at a certain point, it's necessary. You know, you, you don't want to show, um, you know, be overly exposed to your team for for fear of losing credibility. But at a certain point, I think it's important to show that that human side and and be open with your team that you don't have all the answers, but you will be, you're seeking them. And so I think there's that fine line and I'm, I'm not too sure I, I have that quite figured out yet. (laughs) Well, I think it's, I think we're, you're always kind of probing and there's, it's never, you know, black and white. There's certainly a a big gray band of how much you share. I agree, but I am, you know, from a flying perspective, I've used this analogy. I'm sure I've shared it on the show and in other conversations, but it's kind of like, you know, as an aviator, you know, I'm flying the plane and I say, I take you up in, in this, in this ride with me and, and you're not too adept to flying and you're kind of nervous and I get an actual emergency and you're sitting there next to me and we get a firelight. Um, I'm going to take care of that in a calm, cool and collect manner. And you're not really necessarily going to know how internally I feel, i.e. the fear, the nervousness that I'm automatically going to fear just because of the adrenaline and making sure, Right. And so some would argue, well, you know, is that being inauthentic? No, that's compartmentalizing because of the situation that it dictates, right? And so it's the same thing with you as a CEO standing in front of your troops. You know, if you if you come to work and you just found out that, you know, you have terminal cancer, um, maybe you're not in the right mindset to have that board meeting today, right? And so how much of that do you share? Well, I think from a human perspective, you share that, Hey, I just got some bad news. I need to take some time off and seeing that human side, people would understand that. But at the same time, they don't want to see you up there blubbering and crying because you got in a fight with your wife, you know, and you're, you're, you're laying out all your kind of dirty laundry about your relationships. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely does. That's great perspective. It's interesting to see, um, and then as, as a young entrepreneur and, and seeing your business being successful, what do you think are the, t- are the keys to your success or the, the rapid rise of Fluent? Well, another great question. Um, uh, I think it's pretty, pretty simple, really. Um, and, it, and it goes back to a, a point we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, we didn't just come up with a great idea that enabled Fluent to get from, you know, you know, zero to where we're at today. Um, it started with quite a bit of um, hard work. The, the the stuff you don't really hear about. It was the it was the the pre inception of Fluent, and during that period, as you're building out or developing the business model, um, having good advisors. Um, that, that are helping you kind of craft, um, that model and think through all the potential challenges, road bumps, thinking through what the resource resource requirement will be once the business is launched. Um, and I think having all that kind of pre-work done before we actually press play and said, we're, we're go time now, uh, I think is absolutely critical and probably the, the, the most simple way to answer that. And I can give you a little more color, kind of funny, story about fluent um my business partner and i uh met in college and you know got out of college got into the digital advertising industry um 
The first company that we worked for uh, was acquired by a private equity firm for millions and millions of dollars. And and we kind of turned to each other and said, I think we can do something like this and you know, we should start a business. And uh, we weren't sure what that business was going to be. And so we went to one of our early advisors and said, hey, we want to start a business. We, we think we have the smarts for it and we have some good ideas. And some of the early feedback we got was, well, why don't you look at the industry that you're in? That's probably one of the most straightforward pieces of advice, but probably some of the best advice I ever received was, if you're going to start a business, look at a category you're in and figure out how to optimize it and make it better. And so throughout our path from that initial concept, that light bulb, to actually launching Fluent, there was actually about five years that went by. And throughout that five-year period of building, there was a constant um, you know, searching for knowledge and information and perspective. And I, I, I've used this term, but almost a, a grasshopper sensei uh, relationship that would take place between my business partner and I and our advisors um, and, and other you know, folks we look to for, for feedback where we would come to them with um, an idea and say, hey, you know, we, we've, we've got the idea for the business. What should we do now, sensei? And they'd say, okay, grasshopper, go off and, and find customers that, that really like working with you and will, will walk with you if you start your own company. And we said, that's a really good idea. And then six months later, we'd come back and say, okay, we've got that done. What's next? And so each, each phase along um, our kind of that, that building period, we were you know just making sure to check all those boxes we needed to so that when we were ready to launch Fluent, we had thought through much of what was going to get us from you know, days, day one to at least to about you know, the, through the first year. And then from that point forward, we had to kind of figure it all out again. But at least we had a game plan that enabled us to get from – you know, that launch phase where there was zero revenue, there were, you know, there wasn't any real customers, but you had some relationships. Um, you're building out the technology and, and the products that you needed to, to support your customer base and your and your media partners. But having that pre-plan helped us get from zero to $40 million in revenue in year one. Wow. And, and, and it, was that, it was that pre-plan that said, okay, now that we've got some capital to work with, now we can start reinvesting uh, in our team, building out infrastructure to help support the next phase of our growth. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, if I'm being honest, it's it's the pre-planning and having good people around you that are providing perspective and helping you think through some of the very obvious things that that may be overlooked. Yeah, a couple of great things I, I pulled out of that. Um, first, I love the the advice that you got about you know, you had this hunger, this burning desire. I know I can do this better than what I'm seeing someone out there, but you didn't quite have it concrete. But the advice, the advice was, hey, find something that's already established in the, you know, some marketplace. I think a lot of times, entrepreneurially speaking, and even just from a leadership perspective, we want to be the person that makes a huge difference. So we think we got to come up with a new idea. And sometimes it's just as, hey, take a look what's around you, what's already been done, and do it just a little bit better. And yeah. I think I think that's great advice. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And it's, it's served us quite well. You know, our, our, our mantra over the years has been to, um, be, um, you know, to, to be able to respond to opportunities very quickly in the marketplace. Look at where the, the marketplace is going. What are the trends? How do we take advantage of them? 
and, and, and respond to them by developing product and solutions that help support, um, the marketplaces that, that are kind of evolving all around us, right? And you think about, um, you know, the gig economy, Uber, Lyft, and, and the like did not exist, um, 10 years ago. This has just emerged in the last five years. And so recognize that there's this massive trend emerging. Uh, this sharing economy. How can we develop products, utilize existing infrastructure to to help that that marketplace and to help the the, the players in that space um, evolve faster? And in doing so, we help Fluent and and help help ourselves get to the next level as well. Yeah, it's almost like listening <clears throat> to um, you know finding out what the customers' pain points are before you even create anything. I mean, if you can solve, it's so simple when you talk about this, but if you're solving a problem or fulfilling a need, that's really all you're doing. And, and people will empty your pockets if you truly do that. However, easy to say, much harder to do. Um, but at least I think it would, it prevents people from spending the time and energy and thinking, I've got to come up with this brand new whiz bang idea. Um, it's just kind of, opening your perspective and your the self-awareness or the awareness around you of, of what's already there and just tweaking it a little bit. Yep. And and you, you always have to look at, I think the shiny example of that is, is Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. There was at least, and Google's another one, there was what, five, six, ten predecessor yeah, um, you're right. social media platforms mm-hmm. prior to launching Facebook. Before Google, there was what, Ask Jeeves and Dogpile and all these, yeah. all these search companies that that yeah. you know you don't really hear much about anymore. And so it was, they didn't reinvent the wheel; they right. just made a better wheel. Well, it's the same with the iPhone too. I mean, the I mean, exactly. I mean, for the longest time, we were just we thought flip phones with little texting keypad, you know, with buttons that push, you know, like little keypads. That was high tech. But and the iPhone hasn't been around that long. It's only been ten years, you know. True. I don't know. Fun stuff. But it's the same with leadership, too. I think um, in kind of with the same kind of vein is that I think we're always looking for the latest trend or the latest, um, I don't know, management technique. And they've come all down the line. But the, the reality is the more that I've studied leadership, I mean, leadership principles have just existed since the dawn of man. And, and they're easy to understand. And, um, which is always surprising that there's always some brand new leadership book or something out there, but it's really going back to the, to the basics and just adhering to the basics. I think the simplicity in taking care of your folks and, and, and doing the right thing, even when no one's looking, that's easy to understand, but for whatever reason, as human beings, we make it difficult. And, um, I think it's because of ego and, and, um, insecurities, I think, I don't know. What are your thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, like we said, I think there, everyone's always trying to reinvent the wheel when that's really no need. It's how do you optimize around um, kind of existing principles and what's worked for centuries, right? Leadership is not a new concept. It's you know there there's plenty of um, good examples to look for when as a new leader or an established leader as you're trying to get better. And I think for you know from from my perspective, um, you know. Being a good leader um, is all about having a good balance of, you know, of course, humbleness, like we had mentioned. But there's a certain balance you need to have with being humble, but also having confidence, uh, having empathy, kind of understanding kind of where your team 
um, where, where their mindsets are, kind of living in their shoes. Um, but then, of course, to command that respect, you have to have the subject matter expertise as right. well. Right. And so how, how do you couple those four mm-hmm. items together? Um, and, if, and if you can do that and, and you're delivering a compelling message and, and you are doing the things, like you said, when no one else is looking, that's that's the stuff that counts. And, that, and that's what helps, you know, that which, that's what makes a great leader from from just a good leader. Right. Or, or a weak one for that matter. Yeah. The sweet spot. You're absolutely right. Is that and I've always said that we should always be striving for is that having that intensity of will. And all the things that are wrapped up in that are some of the things that you mentioned. I mean, you've got to be technically and tactically proficient in whatever arena that you decided to play in. But at the same time, you've got to have that humble, teachable spirit. And it's that combination, that sweet spot, that intensity of will with that that tremendous sense of empathy and humility, that emotional intelligence, emotional quotient piece. That's when you're really, that's what we should be striving for. And that's when you're hitting it in all cylinders, in my opinion. Too often it's, we're, we're one way or the other. Either you're you're too, um, you know, you're just so type A and so focused on the bottom line, the product, the profit, and you, at the expense of the people. And we know what happens when you do that. Or the other way is like you're not that intense. You you try to be everybody's friend. You try you're not you're you're not making decisions. You're you're always about the feelings and the emotions, and it's you got to get it in the middle. You know. You're, you're spot on. Yeah. It's something I, I, I struggle with, uh, quite often, you know, because if, you know, it's, it's life is about finding balance and being a good leader is just the same. It's right. where, where, how do you find that sweet spot right in the middle? Because I think, and, and you'll, you'll go through ebbs and flows a leader too. I've found where there's certain periods of time, uh, in a given month, for instance, or a given week where you're heavily focused on, you know, customer growth, hitting numbers. How do we scale this business? Um, and then all of a sudden, an issue comes up with the team, and you're saying, "Oh, geez, I, I got to spend more time doing one-on-ones and make sure I understand how the people are thinking, and I'm I'm concerned about their per- career and professional development." And all of a sudden, you find yourself overinvested there, and you're, "Oh shoot, I've I've kind of <laughs> let the profit growth and, and business growth uh, go go to the back burner." And and so you you constantly are playing that juggling act and. But when the, what the reality is, is that if you want to be a good leader and you want to look out for your people, the best way to do that is to keep the business healthy and growing because nobody has a job if the company is moving in the wrong direction and right. the company goes out of business, right? So, you know. <laughs> that Well, that's where that int- – you're right. And that's where that intensity of will piece comes in because I think a lot of times we're afraid – or I don't know. I've particularly seen this in large organizations where just – because of the mere size, the, the larger you get, the more kind of bureaucracy that you just inherently um, accept because you have more people, you know, and more processes and everything else. But at the same time, you've got to kind of create a culture where it's okay to, or, and when I use the word chaos, that, I mean, it, it's okay that we're fast paced or there's long hours or, um, it demands and pushes you to your limits. Um, I, because then it goes back to the culture and that's where leadership comes in. But if you create that culture where people feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves, then they're willingly going to, you know, walk on that bed of nails for you or crawl on the ground over broken glass or scale that brick wall with no rope. You know, I mean, that, the, and they'll do it willingly. That's the key, right? As opposed to thinking, well, hey, 
suck it up. I'm going to beat your head, you know, to beat the, this, beat your head with a wiffle ball bat to into submission. That's, that's the difference, right? Does that make sense? No, it, it does. And I think we're, you, you're, you're spot on, right? Like I, and I think what we, you know, something that, that we struggle with today is, um, you know, we're an interesting inflection point and in influence growth where we've, we've seen, um, we've had incredible success thus far. Um, you know, we were able to scale from a bootstrap startup, um, with, you know, no outside investment to, um, a company that, that last year put up, you know, $200 million in revenue and we were successfully acquired in 2015 and, you know, have some great partners to that acquisition and, and now we're publicly traded and there's all sorts of fun challenges that, that come with that. Um, uh, and exciting opportunities. Um, but you know, at the same time, what, what we're faced with every single day is how do you maintain that culture that got us here as we're starting to build out the organization and you're, you know, you're trying to get from 200 million to, to 400 million and then from 400 million to a billion. And of course the people requirement gets exponentially more, um, complicated and, and, uh, as well, because, you know, now we're at 120 people and, you know, what is, what is the, what is the inside of a a billion dollar company look like that has a thousand people and and do we have the right um, team and resources and, and really infrastructure to get us there. And so I think that's, that's one of those big challenges that, that we're, uh, working against right now, which is just making sure that we're mindful of, um, you know, the culture that got us here and how do you really embrace that and develop a, a situation where, you know, the, the team, um, is able to persevere, uh, through, throughout this, um, this transition from going from a small company to a medium company and then going from a medium company to a large company. And I always wonder, you know, you look at the, 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 the massive firms out there, IBM and Microsoft, and you say, how do people stay passionate at organizations like that where, you know, you're not dealing with the founders in your, your meetings every day. You're dealing with people that are, you know, career professionals. And, and how do you make sure that the vision and the culture stay alive in an organization that, 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 that that's big, that that's, that is that large. Um, and that's all that, that, you know, that's why, why I say I'm constantly a student of the game and trying to <laughs> yeah. learn from people that have done it before, because clearly it works, right? These are organizations that have figured out mm-hmm. how to not just survive, but thrive. Um, and if, and if, you know, and for fluent, uh, you know, it's imperative that, that we continue to grow and scale because frankly, I don't think anyone is interested in a company that's just treading water. Right. I certainly am not. I know our team is not. And so, you know, as we go through this transition, we got to be thinking about, you know, how do you make sure you embrace that culture and it carries forward uh, and you're not creating a new culture when you get to that next level, but you're, you're, you're still holding on to the, the core that got you here, but just evolving it. Yeah. Great points. And you're right. I think it's at least having that awareness. It begins, I think with the, that, that awareness and number one, whether you like it or not, you have a culture. And so even you, you might as well put some effort in it to try to plant the seeds. So it, so that culture takes root because you're right as you grow and it becomes exponential and it becomes not 120, it becomes a thousand and 2000. Well, 
the, the challenge of keeping that culture going in the right direction, it's difficult if you haven't been intentional about it up to that point. You know, if, if your culture has been all about just bottom line and growth numbers and satisfying the board and, and you can't answer the question, well, what do we stand for and, and why, why are we even existing? I mean, you have to answer that question now, you know, and, you ha- and it takes work. Particularly when you're at the pivot point, like you said that you are, because you know, at the beginning it's hard. Yeah, it is just about, hey, how do I make payroll next week? And we believe in the product, and everybody gets that. That's kind of the 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 culture can rally around that. But then once you okay, we're established. We're trying to take it from 200 to 400 million, and we're going from 120 employees to 400 employees. Yeah, I mean it becomes a real challenge, and particularly for senior leadership and CEOs like yourself. I mean, it's almost like your job has to shift to almost consistently. And I think this, that I think you, you almost have to maniacally communicate where you're going and why every single day, every decision, every action, every communication has to have that in, in the back of your mind, I think. Yep. And, Absolutely. and, and I, and I'm, it's encouraging to hear you, hear you say that, yeah, we're, we're asking these questions, you know, you know, I was having a conversation with my daughter yesterday about this and she's 20 and, you know, and, and she's kind of in this mindset, well, I've got to do this. I got to, if I don't get this degree, then my life won't be happy. And I was like, look, it's, it's not about pursuing happiness so much. It's about understanding what problems are you willing to, to die for, right? Because everything presents itself with a new problem and a new challenge. And I think businesses and leadership is at the core of understanding this idea. Is like, look, the fear, the uncertainty, the problems are always going to be there. It's just what problems are you willing to, you know, go to bat for and die for? Does that make sense? And yeah. instead of, and when you have that mindset from a leadership standpoint, it's less about planning for smoothness. It's planning to to overcome the, the obstacle becomes the way. I've been saying this a lot on this show recently, but I'm, I'm a huge believer that the obstacle that you're presented is the way towards your significance. Does that make sense? Totally. I, we, we have a, um, a quote that we use here quite often internally um, that, I, that I feel has almost become a bit of a rallying cry. Uh, and and it, it's what one does in the face of adversity ultimately determines their destiny. Yeah, exactly. Tr- true in business, true in life. Yep. And very, very much aligned with, with your sentiment. You know, and I think those, those obstacles, that adversity that we're faced with is ultimately what provides us the path forward. Exactly. That's, and it, but it, and beyond that, it also proves who has the muster to get there. Right. Right. It helps kind of weed, weed out those that can't necessarily cut it, but also, um, create it. That too also supports culture, right? Exactly. Because if you and a team are rallying together to get through an issue and work around an obstacle, that that is the that's those are the ties that bind. Yeah, I agree and the with bonds you. Bonds are formed 100. percent In fact, I and I would argue that that <clears throat> excuse me that value that sentiment that you have there that's a great seed towards a great culture. You know, and and it is it becomes and that that provides that kind of fuel towards that intensity of will that I was talking about because yeah. otherwise you're just bathing in mediocrity. And I think a lot of times we think that's the norm because we don't want people to be upset or we don't want people to be stressed out. And it's like, ah, I don't know. I think people want to know that, and this goes for businesses and individuals. They know that they want to know that they were here and that they mattered. Right. And if that's a foundation and if, and if as leaders, 
from an emotional quotient standpoint, if you understand that's a basis foundation for all of us as individuals and organizations, then you can be that and, you know, you can hit that adversity head on with confidence and, and vigor and excitement and enthusiasm. Well, Matt, I want to appreciate you coming on the show. I really do appreciate uh, your leadership style. I think it's, uh, you know, that combination of that intensity and will with that, that humility. I mean, you got it in spades and I think that's going to lead to market success for, for you and Fluence. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. So what's, what's new for Fluent and how can people get in, get in touch with you? So, um, we've got some really exciting developments underway. Um, you know, we're, we're charting out our course for, um, the years to come. And, and I think what we've recognized internally is that, um, kind of as a leader in the, the data driven ecosystem, um, we have a responsibility to our partners to help kind of shepherd them into the, the new data driven world and, and using our solutions to help support their business growth. And so as we're thinking about our future, uh, it's really about making that evolution from, um, you know, partner of record for, for, you know, acquisition, you know, new customer acquisition and performance marketing to really extending ourselves further down the funnel, uh, and broadening our suite of solutions so that we can support our clients, not just on acquisition and performance marketing, but on strategy, CRM, loyalty, uh, analytics, and a variety of other solutions that, that help our partners recognize the value in their data, um, and help them really uh, scale out their customer acquisition efforts. Well, it sounds exciting. Again, so how can people f- learn more about you and get in touch with you? Sure. So um, check out fluentco.com for uh, details on, on Fluent and more information on our solutions and services. It's fluentco.com. And uh, I can be reached at mconlin uh, at fluentco.com. Uh, M-C-O-N-L-I-N at fluentco.com. Matt, so excited to have you on the show. It was a great uh, conversation and an honor to have you in the Dose of Leadership Drive. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.